0: So Paul has been teaching us how to understand that we live in the Spirit. And it's interesting that he says that he has to teach us that, isn't it? Because it's not always obvious to us that we live in the Spirit. Uh, Some people uh, would think it is obvious because they think or believe there are certain manifestations of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of this and that, and therefore we know that we live in the Spirit. But those are the gifts of the Spirit. That is not the same as living uh, by faith in Jesus. Uh, To have to be told or reminded that we have life in the Spirit, that we live in the Spirit, uh, is really revealing, because it shows us that we can, all, we can sometimes forget that we do, in fact, live in the Spirit. Let me remind you just what we talked about yesterday, uh, Romans chapter 8, where it says, "...but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit." If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And I pointed out yesterday how Paul equates the uh, Spirit with the Uh, Let's see, Uh, he speaks first of the Spirit, then he speaks of the Spirit of God, then he speaks of the Spirit of Christ, and then he speaks of Christ. So he's equating these terms, which reveals that those who have faith in Jesus Christ have the Spirit. This is is all by review now. Um, Paul says in Colossians that in Christ the fullness of the Godhead uh, lives bodily. And so when we receive Christ, we receive the Spirit. And the more we understand that truth, uh, the more we live by faith uh, in the Spirit of Christ. Uh, and in the spirit of the resurrection, uh, without believing, uh, without these fears that we are under guilt and shame and fear and the identity of sin and the condemnation of the law, all of that's living in the flesh uh, under the judgment of God and the power of death. We are freed from uh, those judgments and that those conditions. So then Paul says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, some there are a couple of interpretations of this. Some people believe that um, that God will give life to our mortal bodies Uh, When when Jesus returns, this is the promise of uh, this body shall put on, this mortal body shall put on immortality and this corruptible body shall put on incorruption. Others believe he's talking about uh, being uh, revived and refreshed uh, in the human nature that we are now, Uh, that uh, as we believe in Christ, we get refreshment. Which is it? Well, I suppose it could be both, couldn't it? But certainly it's definitely um, the experience of Christians of faith who do not confuse faith with simply anxiety praying and worrying with God and, oh God, please help me, God, please bless me, but rather thank you, dear God, that you are here and I praise you, that I'm counted as whole in you in Jesus Christ, that that kind of praying in faith definitely gives energy to the body, gives energy to the mind. You don't believe it? Try it. If you are um, at home alone, for instance, and feeling a bit down or depressed or lonely or isolated or whatever you may be feeling... And you choose by faith to lift up your heart and say, Father, I thank you that you are here with me. I praise you that there is no condemnation for what I feel, for that's my body which is counted as dead in Jesus Christ. I thank you that I live in the resurrection life of Jesus and that you are walking with me every day. As you give thanks in that way to God, notice something. You become refreshed even if it's for a few minutes. There's a certain revival uh, of the body. So let's read that verse again. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So God raised Jesus from the dead, and that same God who raises Jesus from the dead also gives life to our mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells within us. So, Practice praise, practice thanks. If you don't know what to thank for, look around you, look out of the window, look at the sun, uh, light, look at the blue sky, or even the snowy conditions, and you will find something to thank God for. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, as he says here, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So Paul is now uh, coming in with a semi-conclusion. And the semi-conclusion is, indicated by the word therefore, of course, we are debtors not to the flesh. In other words, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Remember now what the flesh is here. Paul's not talking about your human body um, with its sensations and passions He's talking about the flesh in the sense of the kingdom of Adam of sin and death. When we live in the flesh, we live without faith. And so when things go wrong, we think disaster has struck and uh, the worst things will happen, and that God doesn't love us, and this is happening to us because we're sinners, and he's condemning us, and everything will go wrong, and we move into stages of despair. That's... The flesh. I mean, that's one aspect of it. You can put together quite a number of aspects of the flesh, of course. You can think about uh, simply living based upon your whims and desires and passions and lusts. That's the flesh, too. But it's so often thought of as that's the only thing that the flesh is about. No, the flesh is living in a world in which what the worst can happen will happen. That's the belief of the flesh that everything is ultimately going to end up in disaster. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's the flesh. Well, we, are, we don't owe the flesh anything. That's what it means when it says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We, do not the, we are not in debt to the kingdom of Adam. Now, why put it that way? Because the human nature... Without faith, believes that naturally we are in debt to our human nature. That is, we have to obey it. We have to follow it. We have to go with the flow, flow with the flow, because that's what nature is. But faith has introduced an entirely new dominion, a new paradigm, a new sphere of existence. Christ in his resurrected life in which we by faith now live until the actual resurrection happens at the coming of Jesus. And so, as we live by faith in the kingdom of Christ, I can tell my mind I don't have to respond to circumstances as I used to respond before I had faith, before I believed. Something goes wrong. Uh an accident, or some unexpected and disappointing or scary news. And we lift up our heart and we say, Father, I have no need to panic. You are here with me. I praise you. I give thanks to you that the powers of evil have been overthrown and all things work together for good to them that love God. And I love you, dear Father, even though my love is imperfect. And I praise and thank you that this trouble is going to turn into a blessing. Now, you may not see uh, the physical blessing, uh, uh, but you, uh, or whatever kind of physical blessing there might be, material blessing, but you will definitely know the blessing of faith. Your faith will be trained, and so it's so important for us to keep telling ourselves, "I don't owe my human nature, my flesh, the usual normal panic responses." that I give it, the stress responses that I give it. Some people think that if they panic and if they get stressed, somehow uh, the situation will work out better. I know they don't think that cognitively, but there are certain people who believe that the more they panic, the more they will be taking life seriously. (laughs) It's not true. It's a total delusion. And, of course, if a Christian acts calmly in certain circumstances, people around him or his friends around him will think, well, he doesn't care, he's indifferent. But no, Christians who know how by faith to respond often appear indifferent, but they're not. It's simply that they've learned not to panic because they've replaced praise with panic, faith with panic. So, we are not indebted. We do not owe the flesh anything. Now think of it as well in this way. Maybe we have, well, not maybe, we certainly all have in one way or another lived a sinful life. We have a sinful past and even now of present isn't all that free from sin. And we feel guilt and shame and fear. And we feel we should live with that guilt and live with that shame because we owe Our flesh, that kind of response, we owe our sinful nature its due pound of flesh. And so there are many people who say, well, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. You know, that's rather a load of poppycock. It is simply not true that if you believe God has forgiven you, you cannot forgive yourself. If you believe God has forgiven you, you can indeed forgive yourself. Because you lift your heart up and say, Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus who took the burden of my guilt upon himself on the cross, and because of his sacrifice, I believe I am forgiven and I thank you. And in that way too, you see, you do not owe your flesh endless regurgitating of guilt and shame and fear. There are people, Christians, who, having had a a pretty lurid past, feel they should walk through church with their heads hanging down, still in shame. No, you lift up your heart. It's not that you don't feel guilt because you don't care. It's that you don't feel guilt because you know Christ has taken the burden of your sins upon himself and you have a grateful heart. So Paul says in verse 13, For if we live according to the flesh, rather let me read it more accurately, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, I say to you, how do you read these words? Do you read them with guilt and therefore see God's finger pointing at you? Or do you uh, read these verses with an innocence, that says, well, God is simply letting me know what leads to life and what leads to death. We don't want to live in the kingdom of Adam where there is guilt that is piled upon us not only from our own sins but also from Adam's sins. We don't want to live in a world that believes that there is only sin and death ahead of us. We now live by the Spirit which teaches us, who teaches us that we live in the resurrection of Christ, and as a result of that, we are freed from this judgment of the flesh. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me today, Colin Cook and How It Happens. And uh, I hope you will listen to this broadcast any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook. And if you would like to make a donation, it would be very much appreciated. The program is listener-supported radio. So you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com, Radio. Faithquestradio. Radio.com, or you can make your donation by mail to P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.